Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week, we are going to talk to Steve Jensen with Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service out of Hayward, Wisconsin. And we're going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? Current things on the water, talk about suckers, talk about, you know, mid-September warm-ups. And we're going to talk a few, a little, we've got some stories about his clients. He's, Steve's been on some pretty solid bites. He's been putting some nice fish in the net. So we're going to talk about those few things. I am joined with no co-host this week. It's just me and Steve having a conversation. Brad is uh, smack dab in the middle of guiding, I believe. So he did not get off the water. It's an early one. I got to do these things early. Steve's getting to be a little bit older and he likes to go to bed at, you know, whatever, seven o'clock, but he also does get up at four 30. So uh, I guess I can, I can understand that or maybe he goes to bed at eight. I don't know. Anyways, I know for sure if I text him after eight o'clock, I will not get a reply till the following morning. But so that's uh, kind of what's going on. If you are still out chasing muskies, which I certainly hope that you are, because this is the time of year that all of us muskie anglers look forward to September, October, especially, you know, like right now, I mean, the fish are starting to move shallow in the Northern zone of muskie angling and, they can be taken on a variety of shallow presentations, whether it be bucktails or topwaters or whatever. But if you're still out chasing muskies and you need gear, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I know that uh, let's say our shipments of incoming product have slowed a little bit, but we still have a bunch of stuff on order. And we still have some new products that will be coming. We've uh, added some things recently that should hopefully be you know, hitting the website in the next, uh, I don't know, say a couple weeks to a month or so. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our Facebook page or our Instagram, or you could subscribe to our newsletter on our on our website, or you know you could check out YouTube. We generally put some updates on uh, all those different things. So we'll talk about a few new products we got coming in, and of course we're always working on new colors. And so hopefully, I went out and checked on incoming packages today, and I I didn't see any new packages yet. So I'm expecting some new colors and some. Some baits here coming uh, fairly soon. Should be exciting for that. And if you want to check out that stuff, go to www.teamrhinooutdoors.com. And again, like I said, check out our social media stuff for uh, any updates. Updates much quicker, and you don't have to go searching through the everything on the website. But if you want to, certainly go check out the website. And even though Brad and Carrie aren't here for this podcast, I'll still let you know that if you need gear and you need big bladed flashaboo bucktails, go check out muskymayhemtackle.com. If uh, they have you covered for all your blades, bladed needs, whether it be a, a showgirl or a grenade, a mini grenade, a hurricane, and the detonator, go check it out there. I would specifically recommend the detonator. I know that I've been hard on myself as far as catching blades, but the last uh, little while when I have been fishing blades and catching on them, it's been the detonator. It's been uh, we, I took a trip recently, and like I said, we got some cool footage of it. Hopefully you'll see it on YouTube at some point. Uh, biggest fish we got in the boat was 51 and a half and blades were the ticket. And specifically for me, it was a detonator. I was fishing with one of my friends, Kyle, and he got the biggest one on a 10-9. So if you, uh, if you need blades, go check out Muskie Mayhem Tackle. And if they don't have the colors that you want, which I'm sure they probably do, but we always have them at teamrhinooutdoors.com as well. But I don't have anybody to BS back and forth with. Fishing's been pretty good for me. I've done some trips out with my kids recently. So I would say that our, you know, per fish, our hours per fish have been very, I would say, surprisingly good. And not 
not ridiculous. Like every time we're out, we have action from either multiple fish or put a fish in the net or whatever. It's been very few, what I would call very difficult trips this year. And that's been a pleasant surprise. So fishing's been good. Should only get a little bit better here for a little while before it gets a little bit tougher. But I mean, allegedly they only get bigger and better as we go on here through uh, September into October. And then finally into November for most of us in the north. But I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in again this week. And I'm going to go dial up my conversation I had with Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts. All right. Our guest this week is none other than Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. And I was a good host this week. I looked it up. The last time we had Steve on an episode all by himself was episode 180 on July 27th of 2022, and we're at episode 240. So it's been 60 episodes since we talked to Solo, Steve. If I'm not oh. mistaken, Steve, I think, didn't we have you on preseason little segment? Yeah, maybe? we did an early season little thingy. I think there were a few other guides that you got from across the state, across the area that uh, helped out on that one as well. All right, well... Can you, if you could think back to preseason, how has the season played out versus what you thought it would play out as the season, like in the when we did a preseason prep? I mean, has the season been what you expected, good, bad? What, what, what are we looking at? Um, you know, good, good question. I would say average, uh, not great uh, overall. Um, we have highlights and we have lowlights. Um, early season was pretty good. June was a fantastic month. Um, caught a bunch of beautiful fish that month. Had a lot of action most days. Um, our biggest fish of the year, a 49 incher, came in late June in the figure eight. Um, then July and August were honestly, Jeff, um, two very difficult months. Just um, not a lot of great fishing. We did catch some fish. We always do, but it wasn't hot. Um, things were difficult. Lots of lost and missed fish. Um, I think I'm having a record year to myself personally on lost and missed fish. Just one of those things. And um, now that we've gotten into late August, early September, um, things have really been cranking back up. Uh, I think you're fully aware, but we've had uh, oh, two, three good, really solid weeks of some really big fish and lots of them. So, um, so we've had, we're in the highlight now. We got out of the low light, and, and that's musky fishing. You have your ups and downs. Uh, doesn't matter the year, doesn't matter the lake, doesn't matter where you fish. This is just how it goes. That's my observation so far. We're we're on a high high roll right now, and I'm hopefully going to keep it going. I'm kind of dialed into a few different things that are working pretty well, and uh, we've been able to get fish basically every day. And if we don't get them, we should have had them. And some days, uh, lots of chances. So so that's exciting. Uh, hopefully that continues. Uh, the weather, of course, is the biggest dictator there. And we've had um, a nice cool down that coincided with the new moon peak. And that really was awesome. We had, uh, we had a good thing going on there. I'm getting past the new moon now, but uh, the fish are still active. The water's cooling, and, and they like that. And now that the, uh, we're past the moon, I'm still watching our moon times, um, but the effects are just slightly less, um, but still very, very much there. So if, if you're not watching the moons, uh, that's one thing that I would say you need to be doing. And uh, hopefully it continues. We got about uh, a month and a half of good hard fishing here to go before uh, I start bow hunting. I have high anticipation of a really good ending here because the summer was a little slower. And a lot of times when I have a slow summer, uh, the fall bite can be fantastic. 
do you have any, you know, hypothesis as to why summer was tougher? Because, but you know, like I would say it's kind of weird. We kind of had like a warm summer, but for the most part, I bet you the water temperatures never really reflected that. I'm guessing is that part of the problem? Honestly, absolutely true. And uh, I hear, oh, so hot, so hot. And we had some warm temperatures, but my water temperatures here really barely touched 80, if at all. And for the most part, mid 70s. And so my hot water patterns where I typically move to those clear lakes and the deep lakes uh, really didn't turn on. I just don't think those bodies of water got enough heat to really get get the normal bite going. I'm sure they're eating somewhere, doing whatever they're doing, uh, just not doing the things that they had been doing the last couple seasons. And I honestly do believe that, that that's a big part of it. We didn't have those huge high peak temps. In retrospect, put me on different types of water, darker water, shallower water, um, things like that. And we caught fish that way, but we just didn't have those high spikes that I normally have in July and August. I've had those years before. Uh, nothing too unusual, just different than the last two seasons. So let's talk about presentation to this point. What do you think has been the like prime presentation that's been putting muskies in the net? Oh, I wish I had the answer to that. It really varies a lot. Um, during the summer, of course, I throw a lot of stuff that gets deeper and working deeper weed edges, weighted rubber. Bulldogs, of course, is my mainstay. Magnum bulldogs, red October tubes. Of course, we throw some Medusas as well. But we're also having really good blade bite basically through the whole year this year, which is not normal for my area. And it's not something that I rely on a ton. Um, but honestly, it has been my best presentation probably for the whole year. Uh, that includes June, especially late June. Of course, early June, we're twitching and gliding a little bit more. But all through the summer, we've had solid bites on blades. And right now, everybody in the boat is throwing blades. Um, exception would be a little bit of top water early morning and late. Uh, and also in some of our shallower bodies of water. But um, they are just all over blades. And uh, we're getting numerous chances uh, each day and we're going to continue with that it should only get better as these water temperatures keep dropping the fish keep moving shallower um things should just get happier um so that's probably been my most solid pattern of the year is, is throwing bucktails and i'll be honest i don't normally do that so uh, the fish are telling me what to do and i'm, I'm trying to listen well, I could tell you, if you wanted that bucktail bite shut down, you should have just had me come visit you this summer. I would have shut that oh, thing boy. down instantly. You normally can, and I'll tell you what, it has been super high figure eight bite this year. I can't tell you how many bites we've had in the figure eight. It's been a tremendous amount, um, including our largest fish, including many, many, many for me. If you're not paying attention, if you're not finishing each and every cast, uh, we're missing opportunities and uh, we've had a few of those this week um, that's just the way it goes of course it's hard to focus on every single cast but the reality is you need to and the fish are shooting up out of nowhere it's not necessarily fish that are you know nose tight to the blades they're uh they're coming up from below a lot of times uh some of those are the nose tight follows but a lot of times it's fish you don't see and uh one two figure eights and all of a sudden you're pulling it out and the fish comes blasting up to grab it so Extended figure eights, um, paying attention and trying to do smooth figure eights, which is you know difficult for, for me with clients. Not everybody understands that. Um, coming in and do a nice smooth turn out and, and make sure you keep those blades going and not too tight of turns. And uh, these things are all been very important 
not that I've been perfect either. I'm dumping plenty in the figure eight. I'm a, I'm a master at it, but at least we're getting the opportunities and, uh, it's been a lot of visual stuff, which is really fun for clients. It's really fun for me um, just to see these fish doing what they do. And I, I love interacting with them, whether we catch them or not. This bite has been really fun in that a lot of these fish are just showing up at the boat and you know, we're getting to see them and getting to see what they do. So that kind of adds to it. It's interesting to hear you talk about so many figure eight bites and, and you know, follows and all that stuff because it's been like the exact opposite for me. I did take a trip north recently, and I will be happy to say I caught a couple of fish on detonators. I have some cool footage of it, so hopefully someday on YouTube you might actually see that footage. But it was, I mean, it's a lot of fun when you can get them to bite blades, especially when you can get them to bite in the figure eight. It's probably the most exciting way to get a muskie to bite. But, like, with my fishing itself this year, and in the last month and a half, I've actually gotten out quite a bit. It's been mostly, you know, start and stop, whether it be rubber baits, my daughter's been getting Medusas eaten. I've been getting Bulldogs eaten. My son got, you know, some Bulldogs eaten. Uh, I had one eat a Suic yesterday. So it's been start and stop. And honestly, if we, I had my first follow, I think, yesterday on a Suic, which was surprising. But, like, for us, it's we're catching muskies. Like, I bet you my, my uh, hours per muskie this year are probably at some of the lowest I've ever seen. It's like every, I mean, every trip I won't see anything, but I'll put one in the net or we'll put two in the net and we won't, that'll be it. We won't have any other action. We won't see another muskie. So I have no, no idea what the story is there, but we're catching muskies. So I can't complain with that. It's been a lot of fun uh, the last month and a half. And uh, I, I mean, I just wish it, I wish the season was longer, uh, you know, and you had more time to get on the water. So as a guide, it's gotta be a, a ton of fun, you know, getting out there every day when the weather's nice. I'm sure that there's going to be some days here coming up that I'll walk out to the shop, that 10 foot walk between the house and the shop. It'll be, you know, 38 degrees and raining and I will not be jealous of you, but for the most part, it's gotta be a fun deal. You know, it is a fun deal, and uh, I've been doing it a long time. As you know, I'm closing on the end of 23 years of guiding right here, and um, a lot of my clients are repeaters, which is cool. You know, it's people that I've watched mature into good anglers and some that have matured into good anglers and then regressed into bad anglers and, you know, watching kids grow up. And uh, I had one of my favorite clients I have is 84-year-old Tim Gork just last week, and I don't know how many more times I'll get Tim, but he sure still loves to come musky fishing. I have one more trip with him in October for another three there, and I sure hope he comes back again. I, I think he's there. I think he's good. Um, but it just goes to show you how, uh, how much fun it could be, and I'm giving this guy memories that he, you know, they're probably more memories for me. I even told him that when we got done. I love fishing with him, and I love to see what happens, and He's tedious and he's an old timer and he tells me the same story every day, but that's okay because uh, he's out there fishing and he's fishing with me. And, and I tell you what, he's blessed. He, he always has big muskies around him. And I have lots of other clients that are like that too, but it's, it's just fun to share, you know, those experiences with, with them. And every year is different. You have your hard days and your good days. And uh, most of my guys understand all of that too. And uh, when you have the good days, you, you try to take advantage and, and we've been able to do that lately, just like you have been. That's musky fishing. I, I love it, and I'm going to do it as long as my body can do it and as long as people want to go fishing with me. You know, it's funny you bring up Tim because I have a note here. And 
It is specifically he's a big team rhino outdoor supporter, as well as my my boy today who caught a jig, uh, nice huge fish today. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But uh, uh, most of my clients are TRO supporters. So well, we pre- we appreciate that. We appreciate them all, and we definitely appreciate Tim and and John that you had on today in the in the boat today. But so I had a note down here, and there's been some talk about pink days <laughs> being like so great for musky fishing. But I want yeah. to talk about Tim Day because <laughs> that guy at what'd you say he is 83 84 he is 84 84 so what i want you to do is you should start to you know get people to pay you to find out what days tim books with you Tim wants to fish right yeah <laughs> like the the day the next trip coming up i want to know what days those are because i think i need to be on the water because i mean it's unbelievable I mean, why don't you just talk about what he put in the net over the last trip you had out? I mean, it was that that's a that's almost like a good career for some musky anglers, and he did it all in a matter of what two days? Uh, I had I had him for three. He okay. comes for three day trips, and uh, yeah, you, you're not lying. Um, and we actually joked about this when we bagged up the last big one. He said Jeff's going to get mad at me, and he's going to want to know when I'm fishing October. I said Jeff's never going to get mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to know when the hell you're in the boat. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we actually laughed over that exact thing. Um, he he's a moon watcher. I'll tell you that. Uh, Tim Tim books his days around the moons typically, and what he's looking for is moon peaks that occur during the hours that he likes to fish. Okay, we're not we're not fishing eight eight hours with Tim anymore. We're five, six, seven, maybe. You know, it's start in the morning and be done by early afternoon. So he's looking for the windows that fall into the time when he likes to be out there, and he's pretty good at it. Um, he watches it. He makes sure that those days that he chooses usually have a, a major, a minor, a rise, or a set. Uh, one of those things. And he chooses new moons and full moons. It all depends on, you know, when the moon is according to the schedule that he wants to be here as well. So that was probably the biggest thing that he does. And uh, I had him for three days last week, and it was it was great. Like I say, I, I wonder how many more years I'll get to have Tim. And uh, I could talk for hours about all of the large muskie that he has caught over the years. This week, he has been, uh, first day, took him onto a shallow body of water. Want to ease him into the top water thing. It's been a decent top water bite. The very first day, midday major, which I think you and I talked about before we even got on. Uh, that midday major has been really strong for about seven, eight days here. And... Beautiful giant mid forties just screams up at the boat and snatches the old fat bastard uh basically as he's about to lift it out of the water. Um and he got her. She hammered it, hooked up, awesome fight all the way around the boat about four times. And uh, you know, his balance isn't the greatest, so I keep him on that pedestal and I just he just kinda swung around with her. He, he fishes with nine and ten foot rods. He does like the long rods. And uh, that was a huge advantage. Um, he had the St. Croix 10-footer, and he just uh, walked her around the bow like a champ and able to get her in the net. And uh, just another one of those monsters that he's got, and he ended up getting another one that day, uh, a little smaller model, I think a 37. So that was a great start to his trip. And with Tim, he likes to fish different lakes each day when possible. So we choose an entirely different lake for the next day, believe it or not. Um, goes against the green of common thought, but uh, the reality is I have a ton of different lakes I could fish here, and, and I know a lot of them. I've been fishing here a long time. So we chose a different lake, uh, headed over there, 
just uh, as the musky gods wanted it to be, we had a beautiful fish come up and uh, cream a sucker for him. And, of course, I'm always trying to fish live bait when Tim's around. Uh, adds to the advantage of uh, having a few more lines in the water. And, and there's days, obviously, when uh, one fish will grab a sucker when they won't follow those baits. And um, beautiful upper 40s smashes the sucker. And uh, perfect hook set, once again, one of many I've watched him do. And uh, put a beautiful fish in the net, uh, upper 40s, heavy one. And uh, that was just another start to it. We had one more day, and we raised two or three other fish that day, um, one of which was pretty nice. I mean, some 40 stuff. And uh, we came back out the third day, and I started on one fish that we had moved uh, late in the day the, follow the previous day. We actually came back to the same lake. Uh, just because we had seen a couple nice fish, and Tim was like, yeah, that, that works. We'll probably be a short day, so let's go try that again. Uh, so very first spot, five minutes in. I don't even think it was five minutes. Uh, another beautiful fish, creams a sucker, and it was definitely a fish that we had up the day before. And we put her in the bag, so we ended up with uh, four nice fish in a couple of days, uh, including two mid-upper 40s. Um, I've had days with Tim where he had a 48 and a 49 and 10 minutes apart. Uh, another 49-incher that broke his rod in half, got away, and we still got the thing on him, second sucker. Um, so just a, a lot of amazing stories with him, and he's an inspiration to me because I can't imagine I'll be doing what he's doing when I'm 84. Uh, even though I may want to, uh, I don't know that that'll be possible. And, um, so he makes me smile every time a huge muskie is around him and every time it goes in the net, and God bless, there'll be a few more. Yeah, hopefully there'll be many more, but I mean, that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about that though. Cause I get, you know, customers, especially at shows, you know, we'd show them a eight foot rod and in, you know, they'd be older gentlemen and they'd be like, no, 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 I, I, I'm not ready to go to a, to an eight foot rod. I want to stick with my seven foot, my seven, six, you know, and yeah. you were just talking about the benefits for him of a, of those longer rods, you know, I mean, what's the trick to get those older anglers to want to flip into a, a bigger, a longer rod. They're still all set in their ways, but you know, for Tim, was it, was it something you had to you know, tell him or is it, he was reading so many articles. He's like, I just got to try him. So, so Tim is a, he's a tinkerer, man. He's a gadget man. His tackle selection, though he never has owned a boat in his life. His tackle selection is, is amazing. His collection is unbelievable. Top end rods, reels, all the way through and he's honestly a guy who continues to buy um i have to laugh because he made me drive to the st croix factory on our june trip so that he could pick up himself a st croix rod that he really really wanted and happened to pick up the day before but wasn't quite sure he wanted it but the next day he was sure he wanted it so we had to go to park falls before we could even start fishing so he could get that rod fast forward to september trip Tim drives up through Park Falls, happens to stop at the St. Croix Rod Factory, and happens to pick up another brand new St. Croix Rod because it was the model that he wanted and the perfect action. Um, so he is uh, he's a guy that definitely is um, very aware of what he's throwing at all times, and he's a guy that brings sometimes four or five rods in my boat. Not always ideal, but he is the guy that has a rod for each application. And Tim does like longer rods. Uh, he throws nine and ten foot rods a lot. Um, and this one was on a ten foot that he likes for top water. It's a, it's a nice heavy rod with a little bit of tip. 
uh, allowed him to be able to launch that thing a mile and also gave us the forgiveness that we needed when that fish crushed him at the boat. Um, he was allowed to, to get the good hooks at, but still have a little bend in the rod to absorb some of that shock. And, you know, he's not free spooling and, and fighting them like he once could. Um, so he basically held on and let her go for the ride and, and everything worked out great. For some people, it's just not comfortable. But the ideal rod for me and my boat is around that nine foot mark. Um, it allows you to launch those baits, even lighter stuff, a lot farther with a lot less effort. Uh, people don't realize that. And now with the new technology, the new St. Croix Graph Series, which my boat is loaded with, they are so light, Jeff, that they're basically like feathers. And when you can fish with a rod that's like a feather that is nine foot long all day long, you're just going to be in a much better position. You're going to have a lot better um, response. You're not going to be as fatigued. You're going to be able to just fish a lot better um, by having the, the, the right tool for the right job. And Obviously, you're going to have those old timers that want to throw their six and seven footers, and I, I do see them on the water still today. But uh, once I slam one of these rods in their hand for just even a few minutes, um, it, it's funny to watch them grin and smile and go, "Oh man, now I got to get a new rod." Uh, there's definitely advantages to having having the new technology, and obviously, it's expensive this this day and age. So that that's a limiting factor. But if you're going to be in the sport and do it a lot, um, having the right tools for the right job is is very important. I mean, I th honestly think that if you're still rolling with a seven footer as your primary rod, seven foot, seven, six, I think you just put yourself at a disadvantage in, you know, many ways you put your body through a little more punishment than what it needs to. It's just so much nicer to be able to, you know, figure eight and cast and work a lot of these baits that you have with these longer rods. I mean, as musky anglers, you know, we're, we're living through like the greatest time for, for gear essentially. Uh, and without a doubt, it's almost mind-boggling how fast it changes. The technology and the advancements in the last five years alone have been amazing, and it's, it's going to continue. Um, it's certainly putting us in a, a, a huge advantage um, as far as being able to fish longer, fish more comfortably, and also hook and catch more fish. So all these things are huge advantages. Let's talk a little bit about technology. I usually we've, we've been playing the game of called five questions, but I want to do one question right now, like from the technology front of things, if you could have only side imaging mapping on your sonar or forward facing sonar, which one would you have to take? <laughs> well, it certainly wouldn't be forward facing sonar. Um, I would say if I could only have one, it would be mapping technology because the mapping technology can put me in the right spot at the right time. And uh, the maps this day and age are amazing. And now that with the graphs that we have, we can actually make better maps. Um, when I am fishing, my side imager is on it all the time. I love it. Um, not for seeing fish, for following structure. Yes, we do see the muskies. Occasionally, we throw a cast at them and catch them but so rarely that it's not a thing. Um, I use side imaging um, to follow my weed lines and to follow them precisely. And I always know where I am on, on every weed bed that I fish, every rock bar that I fish. Obviously, when you've fished as long as I have, you, you know where the little turns and the little inside corners and all these little sweet spots are. Um, but with the side imaging, you become even more um, in tune to that. And you make less mistakes. Um, I run a lot of live bait, as you know. I feel like I'm a live bait magician sometimes. And we're just starting to get into that. And a huge part of my tactic is running 
live bait very precisely along these weed edges and actually in the weeds, so to speak, uh, especially on these deep cool lakes. I'll run these, these suckers right through the tops of the deeper weeds, right on that outskirt edge. And uh, with that side imaging, I can do it so much more precisely than I once did with 2D sonar because I know where I'm at at all times. And, and that's something that I feel like um, probably puts me above other anglers is that I am very aware of exactly where my boat is 100% of the time. And uh, I never let it go in. I never let it go out. I try to be very, very precise, especially when I'm on my favorite structures. And uh, boat control is difficult, especially when you run the suckers. Um, you're going to get in the weeds a little bit, but my clients often remark, I can't believe how you drive these suckers around these weeds and don't ever get them hooked up. Whenever I put a sucker in the water, all I do is I'm pulling weeds off, pulling weeds off. You know, that's just from time on the water, knowing exactly where you are and being very, very, very attentive to my boat control. My boat is under control at all times. And I think, you know, that you fish with me enough. Um, I don't even like drifting aimlessly when we're eating a sandwich. I feel like we're out of control. Um, that's how much of a freak I am as far as knowing where my boat is at all times and maintaining position as best as possible under the current conditions. Obviously, wind and all those things factor in. Um, but I feel like that's where I set myself apart by being extremely precise. I would say that your abilities to implement uh, live bait Early and late in the season, it has it gives your clients some uh, just ups the percentage, right? I mean, there's times of the year where we've talked about on the podcast. You run live bait early in the season, and you'll you'll catch fish then. Which I think, obviously, everybody's talking about suckers in the fall, but very few people talk about suckers in the spring. And I, I know that helps put fish in the net. I was uh, I caught a nice tiger on one. It was one of our very first YouTube sh uh, shoots that we did. And yeah. that was all been all benefit from a sucker, you know, and had we not had that sucker. Like I think it was third or fourth day of the season then. So super early and uh, we should have had even a few more if memory serves me correct. Uh, but that's the power of live bait at times. And obviously we love catching them on lures and we do catch plenty that way too. But um, once you learn and spend the time um, presenting live bait, like I do, it's a huge advantage here in Wisconsin. We can run multiple lines. And when I have the appropriate water temperatures, which is huge, I will keep suckers in the water. And it has to be cool enough, and we're just getting started. If it's over 70, no no go. You know, we can run a bass or a pike, and sometimes I'll do that. But a lot of times when the water's that warm, I just want to run and gun and move the boat a little faster. And, and we're working lures a little faster, so a lot of times they'll drop, drop a live bait then. Uh, but now that the water's under 70, we're, we're into the mid-60s here. 67 and below um i'm i'm definitely going to try to incorporate suckers it's definitely working uh it's starting to work pretty well on uh, the last i would say five days uh, we've had some pretty good sucker stories including today it's just something that a lot of guys overlook um until the late late fall and it's not it's it's a different thing i'm doing it much differently than most people do and I, I think that's probably why where our uh, success comes because we're we're just presenting live bait in a way that a lot of people don't see, or a lot of fish don't see. You know, you know, Steve, you're talking about you're presenting live bait in a way that people don't see or muskies don't see or whatever. Let's talk maybe what do you think the secret sauce is to your live bait presentation, and then you know if you want talk about what kind of rig you're running on these uh, suckers as well. Well, you know, the deal is is is. I run very short lines. There's never a bobber 
step back from my boat. Uh, I fish vertically and I fish very precisely with line counter reels. I match my suckers to uh, the outdoor, out, outside contours of the weed beds, uh, depending on where I'm at, you know, depths vary. Um, on the clear lake I was on today, I had my inside sucker down five feet, my outside sucker down eight feet. And I'm basically running them right over along the, the deep edges of the weeds and, you know, eight to 15 feet, depending on where we're at and what particular structure. And I'm just tickling. I'm tickling all the time. And tickling without getting fouled is really the biggest factor is you don't want to be fighting with your suckers. You don't want to be in the weeds all the time. And people have a tendency to drop them very deep and drop them very far back. Two extremely huge errors in sucker fishing, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I never deploy a bobber, even in late season. I have caught so many suck huge muskies on suckers on one to three feet of line off the tip of my rod. It will blow your mind. And you have witnessed it yourself. Um, but a lot of people don't believe that that works. And... Um, when you put it in practice and, and keep it in the water and put it through the right places enough times, um, it will blow your mind what you can do with that. And today, uh, we had a gigantic tiger, uh, shot you a picture, Johnny Blainer, his biggest fish ever, uh, upper forties tiger, um, grabbed an outside sucker that was down eight feet while I was running a 12 foot weed line. And honestly, I think Jeff, it was a fish that we missed yesterday. And this is another thing that's been happening here in the last two weeks is I've been coming back on fish that I'm missing and catching them um, within a day or a couple of days or sometimes a week. Um, but I'm returning to fish and catching what I'm pretty confident are the exact same fish. So we had a huge sucker bite in this spot yesterday um, with some of my awesome clients, the housebees, and uh, Alicia was up on the hook set. She smashed a good hook set, bent the rod over awesome. It was just one of those good authoritative sucker bites where it grabbed it and just went deep not fast just with authority they grab it and they go slow and they know where they're going and we got bolt position got angle position set the hook bent her over good and hard had about two head shakes and gone and never saw the fish um, i was pretty disappointed because i felt like it was a special fish in some way uh, i felt like it was a pretty big one we move on we fish the spot um no more luck uh, return to that spot today and put a sucker through the exact same paces very very tight to that weed edge and basically down at the base of it and had uh, uh, almost the exact same sucker bite very authoritative directly heading out to deep sea and almost in the exact same spot um today the hooks out went much better uh, fish was buried in the corner of the mouth and johnny blaine was able to put her in the net and that was you know a sucker like i said eight feet off my boat and running right along that deep weed line and a lot of guys just don't do that they want to put them on a bobber which you can't control the sucker swimming around aimlessly going in and out of the weeds and the other thing that i do with these suckers on short lines is as i'm swinging the boat so i'm keeping the sucker off balance a lot um and that's something that i think people overlook um especially when you put one on a bobber he can swim freely and he's not he's just doing what he's going to do when I have them on a tight line with some weight, um, by swinging the boat back and forth, I make these suckers dance and dart and, and struggle. And a struggling live bait draws so much more attention than just a lazy old fish that's just swimming around down there. Um, so a lot of times by keeping those live bait a little bit off balance on a short line, 
and bouncing them through those weeds. Uh, I'm creating strikes that I think a lot of guys overlook. It's tedious, but I'm guiding. It's, it's what I'm going to do. Uh, increases my odds for my clients. They're paying me to put them on fish. Um, yes, it's there's days where you're getting in the weeds more. The wind is hard. You can't be as precise. Um, but when I have the right conditions, it, it's a foolproof method to get more fish in the boat. And, and a lot of these fish are not fish that follow the lure. Never were going to follow lure. They're just extra fish that we're picking up um, that that are not inter interacting with any lures at all. So um, doubles your odds. Um, and I think a lot of guys, like I say, just uh, don't appreciate uh, running them shallow and running them close to the boat. I think that's a very well thought out analytical angler. That's kind of what I would consider you, Steve. <laughs> I know that was a lot there, but yeah, that was. Usually, I'm used to getting shorter answers than that out of you, so that was great. Yeah. Very good description. And obviously, you know, as as our that that's what I'm doing now. As the season progresses and the fish move deeper and things change, uh, the tactics become a whole lot different. And then we're fishing much deeper, much closer to the bottom. Um, but I'm still using my line counters. And I'm not putting a bobber on. I'm, I'm fishing vertically and positioning those suckers uh, very precisely. And I think precision, again, is the key. So my sales on sucker bobbers for the fall are going to tank. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. I really, <laughs> want the, the, I really want the 30 cents that I make per bobber. So uh, yeah. Don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about rigs and let's talk about the, you know, your, your line and rod setup. You know, what are you using for rigs? Yeah. Uh, I use the Shumway Clip and Go. Um, I actually just get the clips from, from Billy Shumway Fuzzy, and I tie my own rigs. I use 90-pound um, uh, surf strand. Uh, I tie and crimp, and uh, I can make my leads the way the length that I want. Uh, I can use the hooks that I want, uh, typically VMCs, and uh, allows me to customize my rigs. I'll have shorter rigs, longer rigs, uh, of course, for the size of the live bait that we're using. Um, never use live bait on less than a hundred pound test. Um, I do run them on a three foot fluorocarbon leader, 130 pound. Um, but my rigs are all tied with wire. And if you're running fluorocarbon on your lead hooks, then you're, you're asking for trouble because they will bite those things off and one turn of their head can cut that. So I never, ever use fluorocarbon for that. You always want to use wire. Um, and you want to use a uh, flexible wire. Surf strand is by far my favorite. And for the rod, I'm using the St. Croix. It's the eight-foot composite. It's actually a Premier, and it's a uh, graphite and fiberglass composite rod. It has a medium action and also, uh, you know, just a moderate, uh, moderate action with a medium tip. And that moderate action allows for a lot nicer bend in the rod. You get a more full rod bend. And it also has all the backbone you need to drive those hooks home. Also allows me to fish them late into the fall without worry of snapping a rod, which occasionally will happen no matter what you do. Uh, but these rods are by far my favorite. It is my exclusive sucker rod that I've used for 10 or 15 years, probably. Great rod. Eight foot premier um, in that moderate action, the fiberglass graphite composite. That's basically what I do. I also run them on line counter reels. I use the Okuma, the cold water series. Uh, nice loud clicker and having that heavy line on there, uh, adjusting that reel so that the sucker doesn't pull it on on his own, but when a fish takes it, they can go. Um, allows me to hear it even in big wind and with my hood up and all that good stuff. Um, and then the key is really just positioning. Um, I think we've talked about that live bait fishing before, but 
Um, it's not a huge race. I do it quickly, usually within less than 60 seconds. Uh, but I don't want the fish to be tremendously far away. So if it starts starting off, um, I'll use the trolling motor to close the distance. Put the rod in my client's hands. I'll instruct them when to close the bale. And then we're determining uh, direction of travel for the muskie with the sucker. Once we determine that, we want to do a low, hard hook set back towards the tail of the muskie. So ripping the hooks back into the corner of the mouth. And it's a huge hook set. And it's probably the biggest problem that I have is, is getting people to really smash it home. Because you have to break that rig free and hook the muskie on one nice hook set. And uh, once we figure that out, um, I also use the boat sometimes, especially with uh, some of my elderly clients like Mr. Gork. I'll actually swing the bow of the boat with my trolling motor uh, to assist them in their hook set. So we'll do a one, two, three, let her go, and I'm swinging the boat to help them. And all of that combined usually accounts for a, probably an 85 to 90% hookup ratio. Not that we miss, don't get them all, but we, we do miss a few. But for the most part, uh, it's pretty rare when, when one doesn't stick. So. Uh, that's my recipe and that's what's been working for me. I don't think it can be stated enough though. The hundred pound test on sucker rigs is, or no, sucker yeah. setups is a very important thing. Very important. So we've run ADN in back in the day when that's all we had. And, um, I have snapped enough of them to know that I don't ever want to do it again. Don't, don't skimp there. hundred, hundred pound. Mm -hmm. And the hook set, I got to watch my daughter, uh, do a hook set this weekend on a sucker fish that as soon as she set the hook, I knew if that muskie opened its mouth, we were going to not yeah. be getting that muskie. Game is over. The game is over. Yeah. We're going to have that and it's all a learning process, but, uh, and even with huge hook sets, it is amazing how well a large muskie can hold a sucker in its mouth without you being able to move those hooks or move that live bait. Yeah. Um, even with a huge hook set on big dudes on big fish sometimes doesn't work out because their, their grasp strength is amazing. They can hold on to things very, very hard. Even with the best hook set, you're not always going to get them all, but um, that is a huge portion of it. And like I say, swinging the boat a lot of times is, is really helping me, uh, especially when I know people are going to have a lighter hook set. Swing that boat, it helps too. By the way, what size is that Okuma cold water? Do you know? Cool. I don't have it in my hand. Because I think they I'm make a, like 15s, 20s, and 30s maybe. I, I think. think it's the 30. Okay. It's the 30. Yeah. All right. So um, you, you're getting kind of long-winded here, Steve. Usually I'm I'm used to shorter <laughs> answers. Like, um, well, a month ago when we would, if we'd had this show, I would have had nothing to talk about. But uh, the last few weeks have really been fun, and uh, I have more to talk about. So. All right. Well, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you decided to come talk with me tonight. So, I got a couple of things. I one last thing I want to talk about before I ask you five questions. So, when people hear this episode, if they listen on release day, we're looking at a like a warm up in in northern Wisconsin. Now, we're not talking like a ridiculous warm up, but we're talking, you know, up in the upper 70s. So water temperatures in theory should still be warming. Do you think that will change fish location? And if it has an impact on what you might be doing in say this, you know, if you're going out, if you're listening on Wednesday and you're going out fishing on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, cause I think it's supposed to go all the way through then for sure. You know, what should people be expecting? Much change from last weekend or just keep doing the same things you guys have been doing? Not much change. And honestly, the reason is we don't have long days now. Um, that heat has very little of a factor, and we're having 40-degree, 50-degree nights, which is bringing the water temp down almost daily, even with warming temperatures. Um, it may stall the cooling drop, 
the fish are going nowhere. They're going to stay shallow. They're, they're not going to evacuate. Uh, they may stall in their feeding activity a little bit, which may change our blade bite into a jerkbait rubber bite, sucker bite. Uh, but honestly, I will not change where I'm fishing all that much. Um, it may pull some of the ultra shallow fish back to those outer edges, which is where I'm basically finding most of the fish still. After this week passes and this warm weather passes, we have an awesome week coming, which looks like 60s each day and lows in the 40s and 30s. Um, that's going to bring fish really, really shallow, really fast. And once we get into that period, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It might stall the bite a little bit, but I honestly won't change much of what I'm doing, maybe other than presentation a little bit. All right, now let's finish the episode with five questions. I got to find five questions that I think there's people... five more. Yep, Jeez. these are these are quick though. These aren't like I don't need you to give me like a three minute answer for every one of them. I want like quick stuff. So let's go with um, how about do you prefer bigger blades or smaller blades? Oh, uh, depends on the lake and the day. I'm catching fish on both. Okay, well that didn't help me out at all. All right, how about <laughs> single blades versus double blades? Oh, you're killing me. Depends on the day. I'm catching them <laughs> on both. <laughs> All right. Has the single girl been good for you this year? I know that's yeah, a bait that I'm you not, like. I'm not even kidding either. Uh, we've had uh, numerous bites on the single girl. Uh, fishing a mixture of the junior, the IC9, and the single girl. Um, even throwing in some showgirls. I have a couple leaks where that smaller profile and the jackrabbit. Um, have both been hot over the last week. So it's really been a mix, and it kind of depends on the day. In general, I'm throwing bigger blades and doubles for the most part, uh, but I have one particular lake where the single girl is absolutely, that definitely is a thing. All right. So now I got, let's go with full moon or new moon. What do you prefer? Whew. So I generally prefer the full moon because it produces a midday major that I like, uh, moon underfoot. This last new moon has been really good. The major hasn't been bad, but it's moon overhead. Uh, so, you know, you, you got to fish them all. I like them both. There's times where it's good. There's times where it doesn't matter. Uh, this year, I would say the moons have been important, and both the full and new have been basically identical in production. All right. How about, we got three of them. Let's go with uh, windy days versus calm days. What do you prefer? Um, for fish catching, I generally prefer the windy days, especially with the blade bite. Um, as the sucker bite continues to increase, I love the calm days because it, it allows me to be so precise. And uh, even on sunny, bright bluebird days, I can very precisely put those live baits where they need to be and I can get bites much easier that way than fighting the wind. Um, so if I'm just throwing lures windy, if I got the live bait incorporated, I like that calm. All right, since we've talked a lot about blades, and blades are still very applicable on the water today, are you going to prefer to be using a, are you going to burn them, or are you going to slow roll these things? Uh, so far right now, speed has definitely been something they like. Faster is better. Uh, the fish are coming up extremely fast, moving extremely fast. Um, a lot of these big fish are moving so fast, you're not even seeing them until they're pinned to you. Um, so in my opinion right now, as we crawl down through the 60s, speed's your friend. Um, once we get below the 60s, if you're continuing to throw blades, then you might want to slow things down a bit. And obviously, as you get farther into fall, slower generally gets better. All right, Steve. Well, that's five questions, if my math is correct. I appreciate your time for this episode. If people want to book you for this season, I'm assuming you're 
full, but I would pretty imagine, much. But pretty I would, much. I would imagine you open the books up relatively soon for booking next year. And if people want to do that, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a handful of days left in the last two weeks of October is all I have this year. If you want to get it on that late season sucker bite, it is a lot of fun. Um, if you want to go ahead and get booked up for next year, and I do uh, appreciate people getting ahead early because uh, there's months that you're not going to get in if you don't call early, uh, September being one of them. You can go to fishhunts.com, F-I-S-H-H-U-N-T-S. You can call me on my cell phone, 715-558-3709. Uh, also can shoot me a text there. And, of course, on Facebook, Steve Jensen with a G. And Jensen's Fish Hunts. Um, I use the Steve Jensen page a lot more. So text me there or message me there. And uh, you can usually get a hold of you pretty quickly. All right, Steve. Well, it's 549 and it's getting probably close to your bedtime. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we work hard. We get up early and we fish hard, brother. <laughs> so I want to thank you for your time. As always, it was great talking to you. I very much appreciate it. And yeah, you bet. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in for another episode. And we will have another one for you again next Wednesday. So thanks again, Steve. Good fishing. Good fishing to you, uh, all the listeners this weekend. And uh, it's fall time's here. Get out in the water and enjoy it.